Let's pray. Our Father, thanks so much for your word to us in Ephesians and thanks for all you've taught us. And we pray as we come to this last section um, that you'd help us hear what you're saying. Amen. Well, I wonder if you know this feeling, getting ready for the big game, taping up your socks, biting down on your mouth guard, feeling ready. Or maybe going out to garden, getting the gumboots on, your gloves, knee pads, ready to go. Or perhaps uh, an event, getting your suits on and a tie, your cufflinks, or maybe your dress and whatever else you might need to put on, but feeling ready, feeling ready to go, feeling almost cosy and more confident because of, of what you're wearing. It's right for where you're about to go. That's how I want us to feel about our Christian lives today. But imagine that you're all ready to go there in your sports gear and you walk out onto a spacewalk for the International Space Station. You're in trouble at that point, cufflinks or not, because you really need a spacesuit. See, the reality is that you need the right equipment, not just any equipment, you need the right equipment and you need spiritual equipment to live life right. That is, live life as a Christian. That's in this last section of Ephesians that we're looking at today. And we're gonna talk um, in these kind of sections. First, we're gonna talk about the fact we need spiritual equipment, then that we are given the spiritual equipment that we need, and then we're gonna talk about the spiritual equipment that we're given. But to see how it all fits in, we need to see what Paul has been saying in this letter um, about God's huge plan. See, Paul has started by looking at the wonderful truth that God has chosen people, chosen people to be Christians, to be redeemed and forgiven and brought into peace with God and with each other. All part of his big plan to bring everything under Christ. And that means that church where Christians gather, whether online or, or not, however unimpressive church may seem, that it is the main event of the universe, bringing diverse people together, all forgiven and at peace. It's a snapshot of the plan that he has to bring everything together, ruled by the Lord Jesus. This is God's huge cosmic plan. But we are invited to be involved by trusting in that Lord Jesus and therefore seeking to set up our lives now around that new order with him at the top. That's what being a Christian is. It means becoming part of a huge cosmic plan, but a plan that is worked out in the minutia of our lives. What does that look like? What does it look like living with Jesus as Lord, even now at peace with God and at peace with other Christians while still in a world that's opposed to him? Well, we've seen some of this in the last few weeks uh, as we've been looking at Ephesians. It means walking worthily of the calling that we've received. It means living differently from those who are not believers, like light in darkness. 
And in the last couple of weeks, we've heard exactly what it means in the most basic of our relationships. It means ordering our relationships within households and the workplace in a new way. Small things, simple things, but part of a cosmic plan. See, the huge reality is that my relationship with my mum or my, my wife or my brother or my boss is actually intensely spiritual. I think we know this when we think about how hard it is to get relationships right. It's really hard to be respectful of people that we don't think deserve our respect but have authority anyway. It's really hard to serve people as if they are Jesus when they don't look very much like him at all. It's hard to always speak the truth, even when it's disadvantageous to us. See, I, I decide with the best intentions again and again to do these things, yet I still can't. This passage describes our experience as a battle. And it's not a battle against my mum or my wife or my brother or my boss. It's not primarily other people that we're battling against, as difficult as, as I think they may make my efforts to live a calm and holy life. It's not even a battle against the most antagonistic person that I know. See, it's not against flesh and blood because there are actually spiritual forces at work. Have a look there at verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's a list there of evil spiritual forces that are working against God's purposes. It's hard to say exactly how rulers differ from powers and so on, but the fact is they exist. I suspect that if you're like me, well, you don't really think much of what evil forces might be doing in the world today. And that's probably just fine for them. C.S. Lewis uh, writes um, in the Screwtape Letters um, some fictional letters from an older demon to a younger one. And in one letter, he advises this younger demon uh, to remain invisible to the human that he's attacking, uh, the human that uh, he refers to as the patient, and this is what he says. I do not think you will have much difficulty in keeping the patient in the dark. The fact that devils are predominantly comic figures in the modern imagination will help you. If any faint suspicion of your existence begins to arise in his mind, suggest to him a picture of something in red tights and persuade him that since he cannot believe in that, it is an old textbook method of confusing them, he therefore cannot believe in you. I suspect we're a bit like this patient, perhaps not really believing in these spiritual forces, but we need to be aware of their existence. Why? Well, because if this uh, nefarious spiritual realm exists, then we need spiritual equipment to deal with it. It's not just enough to try harder. It's not just enough by the sheer power of your will to decide that you're not going to give in to that temptation again. Or even if you're more serious than that, it's not enough just to set 
good habits of exercise and diet and good sleep and, and, and presume that this newfound balance will make you less irritable and uh, able to avoid snapping at people. See, those are all good things, helpful things to a degree. But to, to take part in a spiritual battle, you need spiritual equipment. And I wonder if we forget that this is the kind of battle that we're in. So we don't actually spend much time working on our spiritual equipment. We need spiritual equipment. But we are given spiritual equipment. We're given what we need. It doesn't come from us. Have a look at the first verse in the passage. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong, it says. Actually, the verb there is uh, uh, passive. It's saying, be made strong with strength that doesn't come from within. We're given it. And look uh, what the strength is in. It's in the Lord. The more you know and the more you trust and the more you are in Jesus, the more you'll be strong. We're strengthened here with his mighty power. That's the same phrase that Paul used way back in chapter one to describe the power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. Do you notice the repeated language there above power, above rule and authority? Jesus is already above everything in the spiritual realm, all the evil spiritual forces. That's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's the power that we are given to make us strong. Look at the next sentence. It says, put on the full armour of God. It's the armour of God. It's God's armour. Now, you may have picked up in the Bible reading from Isaiah 11, some of the language from here. It says, righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Here, hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, Isaiah is talking of a king who will come and bring justice filled with the spirit. He'll, he'll set the world to rights with righteousness as a belt, faithfulness as a sash. He's talking about Jesus. I could have chosen other passages in Isaiah, and there are a couple of them, that talk about God himself having the breastplate of righteousness or the helmet of salvation. God and his Messiah are depicted as the ultimate warriors against evil. They are the ones that defeat the evil forces. They are depicted as doing that, wearing armour. And then in this passage, Paul says, God gives us that armour to put on. We have to remember that the strength is his and that the armour is his. We've been given the equipment that we need. So let's now take a bit of a look at the equipment that we're given. As Paul's writing this, uh, this letter, he's in prison and he may well have been there looking at the armour of some of his guards. The full armour that he talks about is the armour of a Roman infantryman, well equipped for hand-to-hand -hand combat. Putting on the armour means this. It means acknowledging the gift that we've been given 
that makes us who we are. And then it means living it out, living out that identity that we've been given, a familiar pattern from Ephesians actually. We're to put on every bit of armour that Paul mentions here, but I wonder as we have a look at some of these pieces, whether there's one or maybe two that you particularly want to aim to, to put on this week. So let's have a look at some of these elements of the armour, the spiritual equipment we need. First, the belt of truth. Christians are founded on truth. This is what Paul says in chapter two. You heard of him, that is Jesus, and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Truth that is in Jesus. God has given us truth in Jesus, eternal, objective, biblical truth, a way of understanding the world that accords with reality. And so Christians are people of truth, people who avoid speaking falsely, who have an impeccable standard of integrity. Because untruth, even a, a small white lie, it's not just something insignificant that will drift away. It's, it's buying into the evil side of the spiritual battle that's going on around us. It's a small victory for darkness because it doesn't demonstrate Jesus' lordship over everything. And the foundational truth is the good news, the gospel of peace. That's another piece of spiritual equipment we're given, another piece of the armour. On our feet is to be the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. It's a preparedness to practice and speak of the good news of peace. The idea of the, the gospel, the good news, bringing peace um, is key through Ephesians. It's, it's peace with God reconciled to him and through that peace with others shown supremely in Ephesians in how non-Jews and Jews are brought together as one new man. See, the evil forces would love to undermine the unity that comes from the gospel of peace. What about this thought that might be flung at you? That person is not really as good a Christian as you. Or this thought, I don't actually reckon God could forgive that person. I wonder if it's the truth or if it's the readiness of the gospel of peace that you need to secure uh, more tightly to yourself this week. Next, let's look at the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation, which all help us think about ourselves in relation to God. Righteousness, faith and salvation, all gifts given to us. You may uh, remember this great verse from earlier in Ephesians. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9. See, faith is a personal trust in Jesus as Lord which connects us with him and you heard in that verse that even faith itself is a gift from God. 
And so having received that gift, the gift of being able to trust, we live it, exercising that trust. There could be flaming arrows that come at you in the form of temptations not to trust. Temptations that say, God's not really good. You should take for yourself that thing that you know you shouldn't have. But God is good. Look at Jesus and trust him. Or flaming arrows might come at you in trials through illness or or tragedy. God's not really good or he wouldn't have let this happen to me. But God is good. Look at Jesus. Trust him. Of course, through faith, we have the helmet of salvation. That is the assurance of our rescue, which has already happened partly. Our final rescue from the power of death, from sickness, from doubt, from those evil attacks even, is still yet to come. So when you start to think, oh, the way this job or this relationship or this situation is, I see no hope, then be assured of your salvation. It is coming. Or when you look at yourself and think, how did I get like this? I'm, I'm so, oh, I'm a horrible person. I've ruined things again. You know that there is hope. Salvation is coming. To put on this helmet is to hold that salvation in your heart and mind is sure. And there's salvation because across our hearts is the breastplate of righteousness. Jesus gives us his righteousness before God. That is his right standing with him. The schemes of the devil might come to you in the form of doubts or anxieties, ones that you can't shake despite what you know of God, despite that you know he's good. Words that say to you, you're not really good enough. God can't love you. Or you're a poser as a Christian. You say you trust Jesus, but look at how you live. God couldn't accept that. The breastplate breastplate of righteousness defends us against those accusations. It helps us to bat away those doubts. Well, finally, let's look at the, the word of God and prayer, both described in relation to the spirit. Uh, prayer comes at the end and isn't really part of the armour, but it's, it's spiritual equipment that essentially binds the rest together. See there in verse 17, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, The sword is empowered by the spirit. It's God's word. God's word is the mechanism through which power is usually displayed in the world. Think of creation. God spoke. Think of God's promises, words. Think of the way Jesus drives out demons and heals people. He tells them to come out and he tells people to be healed. Think of the good news that brings people to new life in Jesus. It's words. God works through spirit-empowered words. And we have been given God's word, however we heard it, whether it was through a friend, by reading the Bible, we've been given it and it's ours to use. How well do you know the Bible? How much do you use it in life? Not just quoting verses, although that's often helpful, 
but integrating the concepts into how you think and act and speak. Well, just as the Spirit connects us to God by bringing His Word to us, so He connects us to God by helping us as we speak to Him. To pray in the Spirit is to speak to our Father as children who've been adopted into His family. It's not um, a shopping list like someone might put together and ask God, someone who just hopes that God exists. It's the talk of God's children connected to Him. The Spirit connects us with God through His Word to us and our words to Him. So there they are in brief, this equipment, spiritual equipment that we need in the battle. It's intangible, it's spiritual, but it's essential. God's plan has to has been to bring all things together under Jesus. And he's raised Jesus from the dead. He's seated him above everything already. That's already happened, even as we still await the day when that victory will be finally brought to completion. But our job now is to live in that victory. And the battle is not against other human beings. No, it's against evil forces. Evil forces that are nothing compared to God's power but evil forces that nonetheless exist. And we can't forget that because we need to be equipped appropriately, not wearing cufflinks on a spacewalk. We battle in little ways, in the practical matters of our lives, of our relationships, by bringing truth in our speech, by trusting in God's goodness all the time, by praying for and with others. So let's fasten our armour around us and let's finish our journey with Ephesians uh, the same way that Paul finishes the letter. Peace to you and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Amen.